Since it's our fifth Sunday, I'm not up here to preach, but I am up here to introduce our theme for our fifth Sunday. Uh, As the elders consider our schedule for each fifth Sunday, we pray about and we discuss what is an appropriate theme. And you may have noticed that there in this past year has been kind of a renewed emphasis on evangelism. We've had uh, Jim, Grinnell, and Joel bring a couple of messages each on evangelism. We had that evangelism training course earlier in 2017. And uh, as the elders continue to think and pray and process about this, we realize that this is something that we want to truly renew in this church. And we don't want it to be a one-time emphasis or a one-year emphasis. We want it to be an ongoing emphasis. You know, TCF was born in evangelism. If you know anything at all about the history of TCF, you know that it's deep in our heritage. It's deep in our roots. The group of believers who started TCF were evangelists. That's why they started TCF, because they weren't going to be able to continue to do the evangelism that they wanted to do without um, starting a new church. I mean, that's essentially the reason that this new church started. And do you realize that in less than two years now, TCF will be 50 years old? In 2019, we'll be celebrating our 50th anniversary. And we can't hardly consider this idea without considering that that was our roots 50 years ago when this church started. Now, our evangelism today may not look like it did in 1969 when we had people going out on the street and uh, witnessing to hippies. I don't think, actually, there are hippies still around. Gordon's still here, so. Uh, But, and uh, James James is waving his hand. He's still a hippie, but. But our evangelism may look different, is all I'm saying. It may look different than it looked in 69. But the elders believe that we too, as a church, need to stoke the fires of evangelism in this church. And this is for all of us. You know, we may have a few in this church who are gifted at evangelism, but we are all his witnesses. And so this is not just for a select few people. I love the emphasis that Jim Grinnell brought in his last message on evangelism, I don't know, six weeks or so ago, when he uh, said that evangelism isn't just that moment when you pray with somebody to trust in Christ for their salvation. It is part of the process of plowing and planting and watering and seeding. That's all part of the process of evangelism. And you know what? That's a freeing thing. Because that involves all of us. Some of us have a hard time, you know, closing the sale, so to speak. I mean, that's how it's presented sometimes, and it's probably not a good way to present it because it's not a sale. This is God's work from start to finish. But nevertheless, that's how it's been presented. That's how we've learned it, and consequently, we're afraid of it. But evangelism is for all of us, especially the way Jim presented that, because All we can do is participate in what God does to prepare a heart to receive the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And it isn't just a one-time thing, folks. This is not just this morning. Consider this morning an introduction to a new season in the life of this church, a new emphasis in the life of this church. We hope this will be a rebirth of a heart of evangelism for all of us as a church and as individuals. We have this desire to participate more fully in God's 
great commission in seeing people saved. We're going to do some things that are going to be part of this. We have formed an evangelism council, and that evangelism council will be focusing on ideas where we can spur on evangelism. It may mean uh, uh, some special events. It may mean some special activities related to evangelism. It may mean some more training. We don't know yet, but it's going to mean some of those kinds of things as we move forward. Um, it will mean we will have more messages on evangelism. You'll hear this theme often in the coming months. But we don't want this to be a program, folks. We don't want this to be a program. We want it to be a lifestyle. And we want it to be a lifestyle for all of us because we should care about the lost. We should care about those who are going to hell. And we believe that here, folks. We believe that if you do not accept the gift of salvation from Jesus Christ and only through Christ, he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through him. And we believe that. And because we believe that, we know that there are people who are going to hell unless they hear that message and receive that message. Now, we can't do much about them receiving it. That's a work of the Holy Spirit. But we can participate in God's good work through us, that they would hear that message in one way or another. There was a great theologian uh, named R.C. Sproul who died just a few weeks ago. Some of you know who he is. He wrote this about evangelism, and I thought it was appropriate in introducing this theme this morning. Evangelism is our duty. God commanded it. But there is more. Evangelism, evangelism is not only a duty, it is also a privilege. God allows us to participate in the greatest work in human history, the work of redemption. Wow, that's a great way to think about it. What a privilege we have to participate in God's great work of redemption. So this is for all of us, folk. And if you don't believe that, all you have to do is read Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You will be my witnesses. It doesn't say you might be. It doesn't say if you want to be, you can be. It says you will be my witnesses. And then it says in Jerusalem, that's where they were when these words were spoken, in Jerusalem. So that's where we are now, folks. Tulsa for us, Tulsa Metro is Jerusalem. Judea may be Owasso and Broken Arrow. I don't know. Samaria, okay, northeastern Oklahoma. And to the ends of the earth where Sarah's going and we're praying for her. So this is our responsibility, folks. So one of the ways we wanted to introduce this theme this morning was the telling you about what we're doing, but also to hear from three individuals who have that heart for evangelism. And we're going to ask uh, first Nancy Hullinger to come, and then Jim Price, and then Sarah Joy Travers, and they're going to share some experiences and some words about evangelism to hopefully exhort and encourage all of us. So, Nancy, would you come? Now, I'm not used to talking to adults, so <laughs> if I call you boys and girls, don't uh, take offense, please. <laughs> um, I... Um, I'm also nervous. So, uh, but we belong to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, 
the great I am, the creator of the universe who loves us and laid his life down for us to purchase our freedom and to bring us spiritual life. That's just an awesome thing that he has accomplished for us. Um, uh, in uh, Isaiah chapter 6, it uh, talks about um, uh, Isaiah, when he received the commission from the Lord, he said, um, I saw the Lord, and he was high and lifted up, and his, uh, the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling out to one another, Holy, holy, holy. Uh, whole, uh, is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Now, that is a fact, but it's not a fact that people are aware of necessarily. And um, But in Habakkuk chapter 2, it says um, in verse 14, for the Earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So one day we'll, all of the earth will have the knowledge of the, his glory. Now, um, hopefully, most of the people are going to be on the side of being in his grace when they have that revelation of the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. It would be very, very sad to be on the other side. But um, uh, I want to share a little bit about my personal experience. Um, before salvation, I was very lonely, very fearful, without hope, really in despair. And um, the darkness that I felt was just palpable. Um, I had a powerful sense of being imprisoned, um, um, the Lord gave me a real experience of feeling the imprisonment and feeling um, chained, like I was dragging a, one of those iron balls on a shackle on your foot and um, um, just not being able to deliver myself and really crying out for deliverance, but nobody around me could do anything, you know. So um, I... And also, I felt really filthy on the inside and um, couldn't clean myself. <laughs> you know, I mean, if you go and you think, oh, I just feel so dirty, and you go take a shower and you feel just as dirty when you're done, you know, um, spiritually, that's where I was. Um, now, I had uh, heard about God, and I actually I had grandparents who prayed for me every night, of the, you know, since my birth. Um, and... Um, would share, would love me and stuff, but I was not really getting the message, and I certainly didn't know how I could um, save myself. Uh, so I felt like I was uh, living in a hell on earth, and I think there are other people who have experienced that, but I knew I couldn't fix myself and make myself eligible for heaven um, uh, if such a place existed, which... Uh, the world will tell us does not, um, or that everybody's eligible. Um, and uh, 
I was really afraid of an eternal hell, as Bill was talking. That's our destiny apart from salvation because we can't make ourselves eligible um, on our own strength. So um, I, um, I was sort of in this place and just and thought, I can't go on. Something's got to change. And I quit school and went to to England. And um, when I was there, um, I uh, was chased in, by a really scary man <laughs> through the streets of London. And I saw a church in front of me, and I thought he wouldn't dare chase me into the house of God. And I ran in there. Now, if there's, I have this kind of mixed feeling about God. So, um, but there I encountered people who shared the gospel with me, who showed me hospitality, who showed me compassion. Um, and, um, uh, and subsequently, uh, I heard personal testimonies from people and, uh, received a tract that I read and, um, and through it all, eventually the Lord convinced me of the gospel and that there was a way for me to get to heaven and to know that I was saved. Um, I, I tell you all that because um, just like Bill was reminding us and Jim had told us, there are many ways that people influence us and draw us, uh, draw others to um, the Lord. So, um, I, I guess I've enumerated a number of those, including um, eventually sharing a specific uh, specific steps that a person can take to to come to salvation, and praying uh, with them. So, um, one thing that I have observed is that there are a lot of people who are like the walking wounded around us in our culture and that um, we need to be very sensitive to where they're hurting and why they're hurting. And some are hurting because they've been wounded by Christians. And um, uh, it's important for us to be humble and willing to... um, apologize if appropriate or at least to separate make it clear that there's a separation between the behavior of Christians and the truth of the gospel and what Jesus has done so um, in in Mark chapter 16 after Jesus was raised from the dead he spoke to the disciples and he told them to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation um, because whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, he said, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. So um, uh, it's God, uh, people need to know that God loves them and wants them to have uh, a relationship with him. So apart from that redemptive work of Jesus on the cross, we are without any hope and cannot clean ourselves up. So we need, uh, we need to be equal to God's glory 
in order to enter his presence. And the only way to have that is through the work of Jesus' blood uh, and, and death on the cross. Um, so uh, in Romans 5.8, he says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And in John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Uh, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, um, but to save the world through him. So um, there, um, also in, in 2 Corinthians 5, it says we are Christ's ambassadors um, as, um, as though God were making his appeal through us. So it's um, our lives are a witness and um, the things that we say, the things that we do, um, the way that we respond to other people are really important in, in being the vessel for God's love, God's healing balm, and God's truth to bring God's truth to people. Um, now, I um, had a dream the other night that was um, unsettling. Um, but um, I was standing on a beach and looking out. It was a beautiful day. And um, people were playing in the water. The water was just a gorgeous, clear uh, water. The sun was shining. Um, everybody was happy and playing all on this side. All these people were swimming and having fun. And the beach went back there. And over here, um, as I was standing looking down through the water, I saw a dark shape coming. And it was a shark. And it was down below the water. But the people were over there and, and just having fun. And the shark didn't seem to be bothering anybody. Um, and it kind of went down and swam around. And then some more sharks came up and uh, like a whole school of small sharks. And they, they joined them and then swam up a little higher. And, and um, then to my horror, I saw my two-year-old grandson walking in the water right where the sharks were. And um, <clears throat> they surrounded him, and he was gone. And um, I thought, what does that mean? You know, and I, um, anyway, the, the world is full. It might look peaceful and look um, like everything is wonderful, but there are sharks lurking in the water, and they are after people. They're after our loved ones. They're after our children and grandchildren. And um, the, uh, the Lord wants us to be alert and to call out <laughs> uh, that there is danger and um, to share the truth while we have the opportunity to let people know about his love and his grace and um, uh, 
our time. We don't know how much time we have with anybody. So now is the time. <laughs> so thank you. Bless you. I thought I'd bring up uh, three observations that have helped me with evangelism, and these observations have been stated several times this morning and in the past few weeks, so there's nothing new here, but I just thought I'd bring a new, uh, a new way to look at it. <clears throat> the farthest thing we have seen in the heavens is three little dots that the scientists tell us that there are three galaxies with millions of stars in each, and you'll see those three little dots blown up there in that picture there. Um, and that's the farthest thing the Hubble telescope has seen. Now, they're putting up another telescope soon, and we'll even see even farther, but the Hubble Space Telescope um, captured the farthest thing we've ever seen in the universe in a photo, um, and it reveals thousands of galaxies, billions of light years away, and uh, the picture called, it's called Deep f uh, Field XDF or something. So it took 10 years of taking that picture in the same spot in the sky um, in order to get that, those, those galaxies. Now, I bring this up uh, and point this out because God the Holy Spirit is who created a universe um, that is beyond my comprehension. God the Holy Spirit is so creative that we have no reason to believe that um, he will not give us exactly what a person needs to come to Jesus. I certainly believe that we need to equip ourselves with tools, and I take every advantage of training in order to present the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I believe the Holy Spirit has creative power to help me present the gospel that is beyond my comprehension, just as the universe was created beyond my comprehension. Paul shows us this in uh, 1 Thessalonians 4 and 5. He says, Knowing, brethren, beloved by God, his choice of you. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit with full conviction, just as you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. What my point is, the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the one called alongside to help, he is able to bring the gospel into anyone's world with power and creativity. We need to ask the Holy Spirit how to present the gospel and his creative power will give us the word or deed that a person needs. Luke 12, 12 says, uh, For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Now, I've taken this verse out of context because Jesus is talking about the cost of evangelism in Luke 12. But I th think it also fits for the Holy Spirit to guide us in evangelism. The second observation is the difference between evangelism and conversion. We've already heard this uh, stated a little bit here this morning. Because I am from the Reformed theological camp, I do not believe that all will be converted. Evangelism cannot be measured by converts or conversion. Just because we do not see conversions does not mean that evangelism is not taking place. If all could present the gospel like Billy the Villa Brush salesman from Carolinas, the world would have been converted seven times over. Very few of us are like Billy, and Billy could not possibly reach everyone. 
if you look at the two verses there, evangelism um, is stated in Matthew twenty four fourteen, and it says, um, I can't read it from here. That's terrible. I have to go over here. Uh, the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. So it's a testimony, evangelism. But he did tell us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. So that's where conversion takes place, when we make disciples. Does our good deeds and love for others move them up the Ingle scale? I will get to this in a minute. My good friend in Indiana teaches at Indiana Wesleyan University night classes after his regular eight-hour-a-day job. The students have to take some religious classes for their degree, so, that they, so they elect to take one of his classes. A lot of the students are working full-time and getting their degree by taking night classes. Many of them are educated in the public school system, so, they are athe- so they're humanists by religion. My friend has often asked questions in class about the gospel, and he is more than able to present the gospel to them. He also goes on mission trips to Sierra Leone in Africa every year, and there he works in small villages with Africans to develop wells and uh, clean, uh, for clean water and sanitation and cash crops, mainly peanuts for income, and livestock, mainly goats for nutrition. Now, which one of these is evangelism? Which one is moving people up the Ingle scale? Which one is showing love and good deeds? Are all converted in both settings? No. But have they been evangelized? To move someone up the Ingle scale, some missionaries start at one, two, or three. Some of us are fortunate to meet others at seven or eight. When I read testimonies of conversions, no matter what the person was on the Ingle scale, the Holy Spirit was more than able to bring them to conversion. Some took a long time, others took a short amount of time. We cannot make the mistake of measuring evangelism by the time or where a person might be on the Ingle scale. Someone at three may move up very quickly to step 10. Some others at eight may take years to get by, to get to step 10. My third observation, oh, went the wrong direction there. My third observation, evangelism, cannot be limited to just one or two methods of presentation. Sending a missionary to Sudan who is a doctor and opens a clinic, can we say that that good deed is not evangelism? We shall be known by our love. My first day of teaching oral English in Tongza on the island of Hainan, I walked into a classroom with 25 students between the ages of 23 and 28 years old. They, all, they had all been teachers in very rural areas of Hainan. They had no formal training the first few years of teaching. The government saw their potential and sent them to Tongza to receive formal training. This was their first ever contact with the Big Nose, which is a nickname for Americans in Hainan. They had come to believe in our relationships. Uh, that, no, they had come to believe due to our friends in Hollywood that Americans were gun lovers who were not... Uh, often, who were often in gunfights and were not monogamous in relationships and used alcohol and drugs as a daily routine. So when I did not quite measure up to the Hollywood standards, they got a new perspective 
of an American. They asked what kind of gun I had. I never owned a gun. They, they soon saw I was monogamous and had never taken a drink of alcohol. They would meet other Americans, and since we were all missionaries, the word got out that these Americans were Christians. They were taught Christianity was a superstition used by old grandmothers. The methods the Holy Spirit gave me to use to bring the Christ in the classroom were totally different than anything I'd ever used anywhere else. One of the methods of getting in the classroom was teaching oral English. Another method of meeting Chinese was called English Corner on Thursday nights. Another method of dispelling the lies from Hollywood was living with the people. Another method of tearing down the lie of Christianity being a superstition was showing love and how much I love Jesus. The method of presenting the gospel was given by the Holy Spirit in his creativity for every situation and for every person. It is the same wherever we find uh, ourselves. The method is relying on the Holy Spirit to guide and direct us. The three observations, then, the Holy Spirit is creative. Converts are not the measure for evangelism. The method is relying on the Holy Spirit to guide us and direct us. Thank you. So one thing I've learned about evangelism is that if you want to grow spiritually as much as my teenage son is growing physically, start evangelizing. <laughs> I mean, it will, kick your, uh, it will kick your growth into hyperdrive. It's amazing how much God can do once you start evangelizing and what it does to your own life. Um, it's like, you know, when you are kind of tired and, and you know you need to clean the house and you're trying to do it, and all of a sudden you get a phone call and an, an unexpected guest is coming over, you have all that energy to clean the house. That's what evangelism does. It just it kicks your growth that was going slow into overdrive. And um, I believe this is one of the reasons why God has us evangelize. Yes, it's for others, but it's also for us. It helps our growth. Um, I'm going to read 2 Corinthians 5, 15 and um, 18. This, this in the Bible is where I, uh, the Lord showed me to read about evangelism. So. Uh, verse 15, he died for everyone so that those who receive his life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they'll live for Christ who died and was raised for, for them. And then verse 18, go on and says, and all this is a gift of, from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to himself. For God was in Christ recon, recon, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. Whether we like it or not, we are the representation of Christ. And God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. That's a New Living Translation. So I have a question. Do you guys hate when people have false beliefs about you? Like who you are as a person? Well, God has an enemy out there who's spreading all kinds of lies about who he is. And it's our job to reveal who he really is to the people. We are his shining light to say, hey, this is the truth about who God is. Not all these lies that the enemy is spreading. And that's what the gospel can do. Um, when Spencer and I first got married, uh, the Lord put on our heart to do five things. Um, a lot of people have different 
different um, steps for growth. But these are the things that God told us. He told us that we are to study his word, to worship every day, study his word every day, and pray every day. And that every opportunity we're to be in fellowship and share the gospel. Every opportunity. So that became our heart cry um, to do that. Um, and I know most people don't feel comfortable. I'm not, I haven't met very many, maybe Mike Farrell, <laughs> that feel comfortable going on and sharing the gospel with people. Um, it's not something that's easy, but it's something that gets more comfortable and easier over time. If you ask a, a kindergartner or maybe someone just a little bit younger to take a pencil and start writing the alphabet, it's not easy for them, is it? Um, but, and not everybody's called to be an artist, but everybody can learn how to write and how to write the alphabet and write legibly. And so that's how I feel like evangelism is. You know, we're not all called to be an evangelist, but we're all called to share. We're all called to um, be a light to the world. So if a kindergartner or can go and write, learn to write, we can too. We'll learn to share the gospel. Um, two things that uh, the Lord showed me that, that we need in order to share the gospel. Um, it's great to have a lot of tool sets. It's great to know a lot of things. It's great all the training that we have. But there's two things that we must have. First thing is willingness. And the other thing is mindfulness. And the neat thing about those two things is it's what helps us grow in God. Willingness is us submitting our will to God. No longer doing what we want, but what he wants. And mindfulness is us being looking out and seeing what, what it is that God wants us to do. Seeing the opportunities that are available. And mindfulness keeps us in constant communication with God. So if we are mindful of what opportunities are ahead of us, we're going to be constantly communicating with God. And um, the whole process, I've noticed in my life, will cause you to get in your word and want to find answers for people. You're going to have people asking you questions, and you're going to want to know the answer. And, and so it's going to cause you to search in God's word even more than you would have on your own. And the constant searching and, and uh, focus on the word is going to renew your mind. So it's just a whole process. Our mind gets renewed because we're in the things of God because people are asking us questions and, and it causes growth. So while we're revealing God to the world, he's making us more like himself. Isn't that cool? As we reveal God to the world, as we share the gospel with people and share our lives with people, he is renewing us and making us more like him through that process. Um, it's just like God to make obedience to him what's best for us. Huh? I mean, here we go, dying to ourselves to do the thing that he wants us to do. And actually, that is the very thing that's going to cause us to grow even more in him. Um, I don't know if any, much, many of you know that or not, but uh, when Spencer and I got married, our desire was to be missionaries. We, we, he sold his business, and I gave up any um, potential of a career so that we could train, study. We trained and studied for three years, and um, our whole focus was to be able to go wherever God called us to go. And um, he even gave us a vision of um, a plan of where we could go. And then a year later, he asked us to give that up and to stay in the United States. And that he was going to show us where he wanted us to go. And eventually that ended up being TCF. But during our training, um, we would study his Bible every day. And on Saturdays, we would do our worship, prayer, and Bible study. And then we would just drive and go where God told us to go and talk to who God wanted us to talk to. And we, both of us, that was not our something that we thought we were good at or gifted or, you know, we weren't people that liked just to go, hey, hey, you want to hear the gospel? So it, was some, it wasn't easy, let's just say that. And, and actually, the Lord has had, um, brought, like, 
two or three times of remembrance in my life. Huh? Um, and one of them about sharing the gospel. And one of them was when I was in a teenager in high school and something happened that talked something. And at that time I wanted to serve God, but really didn't know how. And God was definitely not first in my life. Um, um, but I knew about him and something came up about sharing the gospel. I thought there is no way I will ever tell people about God. That was my in the flesh without the Holy spirit. So me sharing the gospel was totally a work of the Holy spirit. Um, but anyways, the interesting thing is the very first time that we went out, God led Spencer to know exactly where to turn. Here, turn here, go there, park here, talk to that person there on the bench. It was an old man, and um, he was just got out of the hospital, and he was near death. And um, I think he, Spencer just said, hey, do you know what's going to happen to you when you die? Because he just told us he got out of the hospital. And he goes like this. And he's like, you don't have to. And he's like, what? And we shared the gospel, and he's like, okay. And we're like, well, that was easy. <laughs> like, and then every single time we went out after that, we never had a conversion. <laughs> so we may have got better, but and but the thing is, even though there wasn't a conversion, each time we went, we knew we accomplished God's will. We there was someone that we were supposed to talk to, something we we're supposed to say to them, and and that was it. And so it's well, and it never was always very long either. God would have a mission for us to go and do, and then get back. And we learned not to get in feel foolish to spate, debates and arguments it just led to us wasting time and maybe even um the enemy allowing us to be tied up in something when god wanted us to be used somewhere else so it's not always about having to do it a long time but really seeking him and being sensitive to what he wants um it's interesting a lot of people have talked about <clears throat> there's different ways and i think god uses every everything that we do if we're just have like i said a willing heart and a mind and a mindful attitude um, when I worked at Sonic Drive-In, one of the things that I would do in Arizona is I would go to different Sonics and help them train new people. And I would always, you know, my my whole thought is I'm going to work at Sonic so I could go be a missionary and just drop this job at any time. And I can, you know, share the gospel with people as they come my way. And I would tell people, God bless you as they came. And my whole thought is I'm going to try to be a light to the world through this job. And um, one time I went to Yuma and helped open a store. I'm like, hey, I'm only going to be here a couple weeks. I'm going to try something. I'm going to throw tracks in people's bag. <laughs> so I did. And next door to uh, the Sonic I was opening was a mechanic, some kind of mechanic place. I don't remember. But there's a lady there that had been trying to witness to some a guy. And he would just not listen at all. Just told her, just leave me alone. I'm never listening to you, basically. I don't remember the exact words. But I gave him a track. And for some reason, that softened his heart. And he ended up getting saved over that. It was amazing. So just to show you that sometimes when um, people seem like they're not going to respond or that you're not doing work, you don't know what God's doing in their heart, and that he can use all kinds of things, even a track, which sometimes we think just get thrown in the trash. But you never know what God is going to use, what he, whatever is available. Um, then another time I was working at Sonic, actually, in Tulsa, and a guy comes up and says, thank you, I got saved because of you. And I was like... I never talked to you about the gospel. I don't, I don't, she's like, I knew your life and I knew why you lived that way. And so it was a testimony to me. So you just never know. The only reason I say those things is because you just never know how your life is having an impact on other people. Um, my life verse is Colossians 3 2. It's keep our minds on things above. Um, that's what I always try to do. I always try to take my thought captive and say, is this something that's eternal? Am I upset or complaining or? have my focus on what 
does it even matter in this life? Like, I have one purpose in this life, and that's to fulfill God's calling. And then I have the rest of eternity to spend with my brothers and sisters and, and to, you know, the race will be over. Well, you know, the party will begin. But now I have a purpose and a calling, and I want to fulfill that. And every moment and every day, I want it to be about what's, what's eternal, not what's here, not what's temporary, not what's going to pass away. So that's, that's what I try to take every thought captive according to, is this something that's eternal? Am I keeping my mind on things above and what God wants me to do? Um, my purpose in this life is to worship and please God and to be his light to the world, revealing who he truly is. Um, I've learned I cannot convince people to say yes, but I can give them the chance to say yes. My job is to share. God's job is to save. Um, my very favorite thing about this church, one of the very things that I love is that when you leave the church house, it says you're entering the mission field. And I try to always have that in my mind. And um, just to end, I wanted to read a poem that the Lord gave me uh, before I had kids, when I was new in the Lord, and he was discipling me and training me. And it was just, it's um, hopefully it continue to be where my focus is, and it's called Here I Am, like as Isaiah would say to the Lord, Here I Am. Um, God scans the earth, he looks to and fro. Who'll be my disciple? Who will go? I hear his voice, I raise my hand, send me, Lord, here I am. He smiles down, eyes filled with love. You'll need to be taught the things above. It'll take some work, it'll take some time, but you'll get there with help divine. Teach me your ways is what I pray. Lord, lead me on your path, I will not stray. My life is yours, do what you must. In your hands I commit my trust. My child, you must realize, you must know, the seed must die before it grows. But don't get discouraged, don't lose heart. I'll be in control of every part. Your understanding, Lord, I may not know, but obedience to you I will show. I'll give nothing less than my all. I'll fulfill your holy call. Then study your Bible, Bible, read your word. Pray to me, it will be heard. Sing your praise, sing it loud. Share my gospel in every crowd. Do all of this out of love for me. Don't look at the things you may see. Keep your eyes on heaven above. Fill your thoughts with the grace of my love. I'll shine for you, my king. Praise you, I will sing. Serving you in any way, no matter the struggle, no matter the day. Ah, my child, you will be complete. But you must stay humble. You must be meek. Put to rest all dignity and pride. Realize the enemy is not on your side. Don't make excuses for the sins you see. Confess them to me and clean you'll be. It won't all be easy. It won't all be fun. But take pleasure in knowing my will's being done. Always remember, I am faithful and I am true. There will never be a time I'm far from you. Never doubt my eternal love. I paid the price with my blood. Thank you, Lord. Your promise is true. My heart is, in my heart is love so new. As undeserving as I may be, your peace and joy will follow me. Now, this isn't a story. It's all true, not just for me, but also for you. So hear his voice. Raise your hand. Tell the Lord, here I am. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Sarah Joy. You know what I love about what we just did? We had a different perspective. We had three different perspectives. And if we look around this room, we have that many different perspectives on how we view evangelism. Hopefully, those perspectives are all shaped by the Word of God. But hopefully, the different perspectives we have mean that we can all reach different kinds of people. Sarah Joy is going to have an opportunity that I'm never going to have. 
Jim's going to have opportunities with individuals because of who he is, because of his personality. Nancy, same thing. They're going to have opportunities that I'll never have because of who I am and because of my personality. But all of us, God can use all of us in our unique personalities, our unique perspectives, our unique experiences in sharing the gospel and being his witnesses. It takes, it takes a lot of us in his kingdom, and God will choose to use all of us together. So that's what we want to come away with today. This is for all of us, and we want to all begin to pray God would be faithful to use us and that we would be willing. And like Sarah Joy said, here I am, send me. We're willing. He wants willing vessels. So let's be willing vessels. Amen. We're going to have a potluck immediately. Smell that? I can smell it already. I can smell some of that food going in there. So it'll be uh, around the corner in our, in our fellowship hall. Uh, we're gonna, if you'd stand together, we're going to pray for our potluck meal. And uh, remember, we have our benevolence basket down here. It's a basket down here. You can drop money in for our benevolence fund if you so wish. We do that on the last Sunday of each month. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for what you've brought us today. We're grateful, Father, for the different perspectives on sharing your word, on being your witnesses. And Lord, we do pray that we would all take these things to heart. Lord, that as we move toward 50 years as a church, you would indeed rekindle in this church the fire of evangelism. You would do it in each of our hearts, Father, and that this would be something that we would all see as our responsibility as well as our privilege, Father, to participate in the process of redemption of souls. Thank you for this time, Father. Thank you for the food we're about to enjoy. Lord, bless our fellowship. In Jesus' name, amen. We're dismissed. Go on and eat. <laughs>